in five, six, seven, eight. Cut. Hello, everybody. This is season two, episode five of the Q podcast. Welcome back. We are continuing our legacy series. And this episode, we're going to be talking about kids. And I'm going to have two of my college squad friends here. Um, Both of them have kids. Uh, One of them has a toddler and the other one um, just had her baby a few months ago. And so they're at very different points um, in their parenting journeys. And we are going to hear from both of them today. And so sit back, relax, and get ready to talk about some parenting. Hello. Hi. Hey. Alrighty. Um, so instead of me introducing you guys, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, yeah, so Mel, we'll start with you. Hi, uh, I'm Mel, and I knew, I still know Kiana, but I met her in college. I also met Jasmine in college. Um, I'm currently a special education teacher in New York State, and I just gave birth this past June to my baby girl, Olivia. Hi, I'm Jasmine. As Mel said, we met in college. Um, I'm an orthodontic assistant in Philadelphia, and I have a two-year-old toddler. So these guys are like two of my best friends ever, um, and they're like beasting at being parents right now because I, I couldn't do it. Um, I, I have no kids. For those of you that don't know, I have no kids at all. I don't aspire to have kids. Um, I do have a godson, though. I love him to death, but I'm so glad that when I did have a chance to spend more time with him, I was able to give him back to his mother because <laughs> I'm just, I'm not the parenting type. I am the like assisting person. I'm part of the village. So they say it takes a village to raise a child. I am a part of the village. I'm not one of the parents. I don't want to be one of the parents. Um, but these guys today are going to let me talk about like some of the things that parents have to go through and what types of tips they may have for the rest of you out there um so we're just we're just going to jump right in and so the first question that i have for you guys is just in general having kids you know how did you decide to have kids how did you decide like you know, that you weren't going to have kids when you did, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so so talk a little bit about how you came to that decision, because it is a big decision, you know, and, and again, it's not for everybody, so. Uh, I, I think you're right. Um, it was It was a really big decision, and I think, honestly, up until I met Roger, I didn't want kids I, ne- I had never seen like envisioned kids in my future um i just kind of thought of myself as a little too selfish for my time if that makes sense um 
But once I met Roger, things kind of kind of shifted, and I saw I could see a future with him. I wanted a future that had a little mini him and and me, um, and he was the biggest influence in my decision to to have kids. So kind of like Mel, where like I had plans to be like the super fun aunt because I like watch almost all my family so I was already like prone to watching kids and was like yeah like how you said this is fun but let's go back and I was like in super denial when I actually like missed my period and was like oh you know maybe I'm not pregnant and then by the time I actually went to go check I heard the heartbeat and was already in love with him and I was like you know hi baby this is it this is happening (laughs) it's amazing how quickly like that, that love like shows up Mhm. it's like you hear the heartbeat and it's like oh okay so that's it that's happening that's inside of me <laughs> finding out I was pregnant also helped I was t- part of the reason I never wanted kids was I was just straight up terrified because everybody says how painful it is and how long it is and how long it takes to re- you know recoup and heal from it um, but once what like Jazz said, once I heard that heartbeat, I was kind of like, okay, it's all fine. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah, so so unlike you guys, the video in health class where they make you watch how that happens, which honestly should be a form of like terrorism because that video terrified me for life. If I ever had any aspirations of being a parent, they died that day um we watched three different ones we watched a home birth we watched a water birth and then we watched just like the regular um like the regular birth in the hospital with the meds and and the epidural and all that and i was just like nope nope we're not nope that nope we're not doing that that's not happening honestly you want to hear something hilarious i was fine like the whole pregnancy because like i said i was my family's huge I have like 14 aunts and uncles, so it's like so many of us. So I'm used to babies and everything, and I was fine. And then like the month of my due date, all my friends kept sending me like videos of epidurals and stuff like that. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, so this is happening. Like he has to come out of me. There's no <laughs> way for like him to just be there. Like I can't just wake up and he's here. Like that's the only time when I like freaked out because I was like, I don't know how eight pounds is going to come out of me. <laughs> I didn't understand it. My, my moment where I, I freaked out was literally, I had already been laboring at home most of the day. And I arrived to the hospital. And because of, it's a whole different experience giving birth during COVID, I swear. Um, I show up at the hospital and the nurses are all at the door and they won't let me in. They're like, are you in labor? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Get me inside that hospital. <laughs> I had my on and everything. It was, but um, as soon as they got the wheelchair out and they put me in the wheelchair and brought me like over that little lit bit of the hospital, I was like, oh dear God! <laughs> I started crying. I was like, oh no, oh no, what's happening? You know, you know what's hilarious that catches you off guard. They don't tell you that like. So I didn't know I was in labor when I actually was in labor. I thought I peed on myself. And I was in labor technically from 7 a.m. And then I actually went to the hospital at like 10 a.m. Because that's when my mom got home and she was like, 
during labor. And, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and I was so upset because I got to the hospital and I was like having contractions every two minutes. My water broke. I'm like, okay, this is it. Let's go. And the doctor was like, oh, you're only one centimeter. And my whole world was like, so this is not it. <laughs> like, I thought that once your water breaks, that's just it. They coming out. Like, he's sliding out. I thought that's what that was. <laughs> I was so dis. I was like, I feel like they need to tell you. So I'm telling all pregnant moms so y'all don't know, in case y'all don't know. Just because your water break, that don't mean they're going to slide out. Movies be lying, just so y'all know. I they always tell you, as a first-time mom, this was one of my biggest shocks. They were like, you'll, you know, you'll know the difference between Braxton Hicks contractions and real contractions. And then when I would ask what, how I would know I was in labor, they were like, oh, you'll know. You'll for sure know. I My ass did not know. <laughs> I should the hospital seven centimeters because I was still at home the entire time going, is this, are these just Braxton Hicks or are these? The real thing. So, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that they don't tell you at first, and they tell you like as you go along. But like clearly, you guys are in like incredible pain, and your mind is not really like functioning because you're in pain. So like, why are they trying to give you important information as you're trying to push another human out of your body? It's that, and it's, like, weird because it's so much stuff happening at one time. Like, another thing you don't know if your water breaks, every time you have a contraction, you leak. So I literally was like, oh, my God, and I took, like, two showers, and the doctor was like, you're not supposed to do that. And I was like, it's dirty. I don't understand what you guys are talking about. (laughs) I was like, it's literally, it's happening right now. And he was like, it's going to happen the whole time. I was like, so I'm just going to feel like I peed on myself this whole time? Like, so I was more OCD about it. And everybody, like, everyone who knows, who saw me in labor, I was more, like, calm. I was more just, like, as soon as I had a contraction, I'm just going to be, like, super quiet. Like, I, no one talks to me because I cannot answer you right now. I don't want to talk to you. That's what... And then after the contraction over, all right, let's be friends again. That's, that's what... <laughs> I just touched me to comfort me during a contraction. I was like, get off. Mm-hmm. Butt up. It's like my body hurts. Why are you touching me? Like, I don't understand why you're over here. I was so rude, though. I told the doctor was, like, checking how dilated I was. And I kept squirming her. I told her, I was like, can you, like, get out? Get out. Get out. <laughs> how are they going to get out now they were your doctor? <laughs> no, you really be feeling like that because I was feeling, like I said, I went to labor technically at 7 a.m. And went there and I was one centimeter. And then it got to like two o'clock in the afternoon and they was like, oh my God, good news. You're two centimeters. And I really was pissed. I was like, how is that good news? You said I have to be 10. Why would you come in here with that? Why would you even talk to me? Like, I was so irked. Like, you just wasted my time. Like, why are you in here? But they were being doctors. They were trying to tell me, look, you're one centimeter more than you were. So, But I had to get induced because DJ was like really stubborn. Like, I was technically in labor from 7 a.m. And then he did not come out until they induced me at 8. And then they induced me at 8 o'clock. And he was like, all right, let's do this. And then, like, to the point where the doctor was like, his hair is coming out. So it went from I'm not coming out to, all right, y'all irking me. Now I'm going to just come out because I feel like it. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. that is how they – I had – they – I didn't get the epidural until I was 9 centimeters. And – 
I'm surprised. Wow. Yeah, that's late. They usually give it to you before. Yeah. It was because I was like, go ahead. It it was it was late because I was losing my mind. I, I was grabbing the nurses' shirts and telling them I wanted to die, and Roger was like, "Can you just do something?" <laughs> um, they gave me the epidural but they were supposed to give it to me in like timed increments like it was supposed to pump a little bit and then stop from what I understood at the time because I, I also had that that IV medication that was supposed to help with pain um, mm-hmm. so I was a little loose it did not go off it just kept going and then I heard the doctors arguing about it and then I end up having to push for three hours because I was so numb from the epidural that I didn't, I couldn't feel any of my muscles. Oh my God. That's, you don't feel anything with the epidural. It's like a, it's like a curse and a blessing because it's literally like, they're like, push one good push. And I'm like, I swear to God, I just did it. I don't understand why we're still here. Like, like, and they're like, you're not pushing at all. And I'm like, how do you know? Like, how do you physically know I'm not pushing? <laughs> my my doctor and my nurses would say different things. And they would, try, like, say them at the same time. So I had my doctor going, you need to bear down harder. Almost, and I'm like, I am. And I'm yelling at her. The nurse is like, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was more where they kept being like, ma'am, you have to keep your legs open. And I'm like, they're really wide. Like, it's a lot of people back down there. And it was like, and it was like, you have to keep them up. I'm like, they're heavy. I, Because remember, mine was like a little high risk at the end. So I had to be on bed rest my last two months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, I haven't been walking this whole time. Like, my legs are not prepared to be up like this. No one prepared me for this. And they're like, because the way he was, the way he was coming out, they had to like spread my legs wider than the the sternum thing Mm -hmm. and it was just like guys this is i'm feeling super uncomfortable like i know you guys are doctors but this is a lot (laughs) there's a lot of people always in and out Mm -hmm. yeah it is a very you know if if you weren't up close and personal with your doctor before when you have a kid you definitely get up close and personal Mm -hmm. for sure yeah I was a very, um, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, eager. I was a very eager child. Um, so I was born three months premature. So apparently I just couldn't wait. Um, and lucky me, um, I was born in the middle of a blizzard, which is interesting because I was born in March. So yeah, apparently... 1993 decided to have a blizzard in the middle of March, and that was when I was born. And my grandma always gets upset with me because she'll say that she has back problems because she was trying to shovel out uh, a clean path for the ambulance to get to our house to get my mom so that she could go to the hospital and have me because I came three months early. That's got to be so stressful. I'm literally... (laughs) I'm literally. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I hate the cold. I can't. I cannot do it. Um, I hate the cold because, A, I was born in a blizzard. But because I was so premature, 
um, I believe I had to stay at the hospital for a few months because I had trouble gaining the weight. Um, or at least from what I know, I had trouble gaining the weight in the beginning. So they wouldn't let my mom take me home. <laughs> so I don't think well, I, I came wanna... home until December, more cold and snow. Well, I would assume they probably wanted to wait, too, because if you were premature in this blizzard weather, like it's got to be too cold, no matter how much she bundled you up to bring you outside. So they probably just wanted you to, like, stay incubated and warm and snuggly. Right. Right. You know, if this were a superhero movie, you would have superpowers. You would be born in a blizzard. You would have had some type of magical powers. I'm good. I could do without the magical powers. Like, if it had anything to do with ice or cold, or, no, I'm good. They could keep it. They could keep it. You're right. You're right. Fire is a better power. <laughs> that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother episode. If we all started to talk about like which elements we would control, that's that's another episode for like. If we did a whole episode on Avatar and like which nations we were all from, that's an entirely separate episode. That'd be fun. (laughs) Um, okay. So how, you know, Jazz, you have, you have a toddler, Mel, you practically still have a newborn. Um, but I'm sure like your, your outlook and your perspective on things has changed now that you have a child. And so how do you guys think that your views or your perspective on life has either changed or stayed the same um, since you guys had your kids? I my, I think mine changed a lot, um, but not necessarily in the big the big ways. Um, I still I'm still me. I'm not necess- like nothing nothing about my core has changed. I still enjoy the same things. Um, which is mostly sleeping. Um, <laughs> but, With a newborn, um, that makes sense. Yep, that's you, you, you nap when they nap. Um, but in small ways, like uh, nothing really embarrasses me anymore. I have no sense of privacy like I did before um, giving birth. I think it was the whole the whole experience. Everybody's all up in your business. Every, I mean, everyone's down there. Everyone's it's a very invasive experience whether you're giving birth vaginally or getting the c-section um so now i just nothing really bothers me another reality of giving birth is hemorrhoids and i i did get hemorrhoids and every time i went to the doctor for them they're like well are you are you comfortable with you know taking your i'm like lady <laughs> yes i can take my pants off <laughs> like oh <laughs> Mine, oh. <laughs> mine's is more, I used to be more anal, should I say? Like, you know how I'm like, I need everything to be at a certain time and certain, what you call it, with the mm-hmm. toddler. No matter how much you plan it, it's not going to work out. So I have to just accept, like, if someone invites me somewhere and they're like, hey, you have to be here at 3. And I get there at 3.30, I'm going to look at them like, I thought you meant that I really had to be here at 4. I thought you knew better than to tell me the right time. Like, I didn't know (laughs) I was supposed to be here at 3 because I had planned to, but then we're potty training. And then he had to go to the bathroom, and then we got in the car, and we forgot his tablet. And it's just, it never works out. I remember one time I was going somewhere, and DJ took off one shoe. And I was so confused because I was like, 
did he drop the shoe getting in the car? Did he drop the shoe here? So I spent like 10, 15 minutes before I went inside the place looking for his other shoe. And then my mom called me and told me the other shoe was in the house. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know how. And it was like, I had to decide, do I want to go all the way back home to get this other shoe or just accept that he's going to wear one shoe this whole party? And it was just like, he's going to wear one shoe. And surprisingly, he was not the only kid. So it was okay. <laughs> uh, I think I've gotten more creative, too, with my time. That's not necessarily a perspective thing, but like a planning ahead thing. Um, I can I can multitask like never before. I, I swear to God. Um, today, I decided that I wanted to take a bath. But my husband was out on a hike. And I was alone with the baby, so I, t- I took her little her little bouncy seat, brought her right into the bathroom with me, and took a bath while I could play with her. <laughs> oh my God, that's gonna be a life. That's gonna be a life changer. You got to put that right there in the middle of the bathroom and just put one of the little mobiles over top. She gonna be living her life exactly. while you live yours. I used to live for that. I used to be like right on the toilet while he on the bouncer talking to me, babbling to me, and I'd be like, "Yeah, this is happening." This is- <laughs> This There's no, it it's it's very hard to find you, like you time, which is mostly okay. You know, that's what I kind of expected, but that's why I like to <laughs> do the things that I enjoy while creatively keeping her busy. I found Little Baby Bum on YouTube. She loves it. Wait until she becomes a toddler and you can't like she actually follows you <laughs> everywhere, like. DJ does this thing where I'll go in the bathroom and he'll knock on the door and he's like, who is it? Like, while he's knocking on the door, even though I'm supposed to say it. So he'll answer. He's like, who is it? It's to me. And then open the door before I can say anything. <laughs> and then he'll come in, stare at me, say hi, mama, and then leave. This will last for like 10, 15 minutes, regardless of what I'm doing in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, get excited about that. That's, like, that's coming. No. <laughs> she's gonna be six she's gonna be five months next she's gonna be six months by christmas but she already has such an attitude i'm nervous i'm dead scared <laughs> for how she's gonna be a toddler because she's already like if i don't give her her bottle quickly enough after putting on her bib i mean complete she's she's swinging her legs she's swinging her arms she's arching her back going full exorcist on me <laughs> Well, I don't know, because you have a girl. My issues with a boy is more like, I genuinely wonder if a girl Tyler is the same, because I feel like boys, I'm not going to say he doesn't care about his life, but it's like, say he'll jump, say he'll take a toy and climb on the toy to jump off. You would think, oh, he's going to pick a flat surface. No, he'll get like a ball, climb on the ball, and then jump off, and then if he falls, I have to, I'll try to run and be like, do you want the boo-boo? I've learned, I've learned past that too. That's another thing you learn to deal with with boys. Every boo-boo is not a serious boo-boo to them. Sometimes you're interrupting their playtime and they have an attitude. But <laughs> he'll jump off. <laughs> and as a girl, I feel like a girl would be like, you know what? That was dangerous. Let me not do that. My child will put a truck over top of that bowl. Like maybe it just wasn't high enough. And then I got to be like, I just... I just wonder, like, do girls have this? Is it that girls have the common sense and boys don't I care? Think, or because I, she might I don't have know. Some common sense. She's very, 
like she'll stare into your soul the other day I was giving her a bath and I had to use the bathroom so I just used the bathroom but then I looked over and, and her in the little bathtub just dead with her whole hands in her mouth staring at me like <laughs> with yeah but I think that's the mommy love you thing because DJ still does that like it's creepy because you'll wake up, I'll wake up, and he'll be woke before me, and he's just staring at me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is real children of the corn, but I <laughs> love you, baby. Children of the corn. Like... <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see how she... I feel like she'll have the common sense. I feel like she's just going to have a big attitude. <laughs> Fancy well, toddler. I mean, <laughs> the last time... A product of their parents. The last time we went to the doctor... He diagnosed her with an ear infection, and he diagnosed her as dramatic. <laughs> How do you call a baby dramatic? Wait. He said. Wait. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that was it. That's it. He... DJ doctor be more subtle. Like he'd be scared to tell me stuff. Like you know how you know how they leave you in the room for a little bit for you to like get them undressed and everything yeah. and then they come back in. So every time that awkward moment when the doctor comes back in, I'm always like putting the books back or like fixing that paper that he tore all the way off. Like that awkward moment where I'm like, I'm sorry, this is my son. <laughs> so the doctor's always like, Wow, he's very animated. Wow, he is he's he's very daring. Oh, he's just he's gonna jump right off the table while we're here, huh? Wow. Like he's always like you know deep in his soul he's like what's wrong with him, but he he took a P he has a PhD, he's not allowed to say that. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I think I think as a whole becoming a parent has just I'm things are never gonna work out the way that you think they're gonna work out ever again. My perspective is just exactly go with the flow. Mm -hmm. You literally like the other morning. You literally just get dressed for work. You pick the baby up to put her in the car seat, and she spits up, and that that's it. You're going to work with a stained shirt that day, and that's okay. But it changes your life in so many little ways that it has to change your perspective. But it's it's hard to put it into words how how much it does and how much you just kind of don't yeah. really care anymore like it's like like how you like like I said I'm potty training so my mom's version of potty training is for like my son to not have anything on and just like you know old school just walk around which is cool but then sometimes when I'm saying bye baby and I have to go to work I get pee on my uniform and it's like cool <laughs> that's a big stain I'm just gonna go change and then I go and now I'm going to work wrinkled and I'm just whoever says anything did you have pee on yourself <laughs> this morning no so I don't want to hear it <laughs> you had exactly you had time to iron I didn't <laughs> oh man I feel like you guys have so much more like variety in like in your daily routine because of that like because like anything can happen with a kid and so even if you have like a daily routine every day is something different 
even if you're generally doing the same thing. So like you both get up, you both know that you have to go to work, you come home and then you, you know, you spend time with your kid. But even that can look different from day to day because, you know, you could get pee on you in the morning or like when you come home, you know, your kid might not feel the greatest and then you have to like change your whole like evening on a dime and again you guys are you guys are superheroes I I definitely could not do it um I don't even like dealing with just even when I have like other kids that I'm watching like be they cousins or whatever like I'm just I'm like when is your parental unit coming back because it's been two hours like <laughs> like I I can't but but you but but you know what? There's actually like benefits to that. Like Mel, your experience it probably like she's about to be six months, so in about a year, about no, maybe six more months. When you go to work and then you come back, when you come back from work, it's like you could have had the worst day, hated your job, and then you come back to work and they run to you and say hi, mama, and babble to you or anything, and it's like it all melts away. It's like oh my god, hi, baby. it's like this little feeling where you're just like everything is not that bad anymore. So it's like it's different. It's ups and downs, but on the same note, it's like no one can cheer me up like that's, my baby. That's the truth. I every day I have a daycare um, employment. Though my coworker, they're they're mm-hmm. they work in the daycare area, um, which is nice because I know how all the, with the pandemic and everything, um, I know all of the safety protocols that are that take place because I'm going through the same ones in my classroom. Um, but my favorite part of the day is going and picking her up. And even even though sometimes when I go up to the door, I can hear her screaming in there. Um, as soon as they pick her up and hand her to me, she'll like she'll smile and she'll stop screaming and that's it. Like my day is good again. Mm-hmm. That's really cute. <laughs> I don't I don't get to have that experience. Eventually I will, but it will be with like a puppy or something. It won't be with a child. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll be Auntie for Key for both of ours. So you'll have that moment whenever they come visit you, like, hey, Auntie Key. No yep, one and you. it will be after they are both potty trained, can feed themselves, and, like, <laughs> have their own playtime. Like, <laughs> I, I, am, I am not the greatest at all. I love babies. I really do. But, like, once they turn... I probably am okay up till age five. After age five, well, certain kids, I'm good up to age five, but most kids, it's like age three when they start having like attitude and telling you no, and I don't have to listen to you. I'm like, I can't, I can't take it. I can't take it. Um, but like babies, I love babies because all they do is smile and giggle and laugh. And you could talk to them, and even though they don't understand what you're saying, they're focused and they're smiling. And it's like nothing. There's nothing bad in the world when I'm looking at a child under the age of like two. Like nothing. There's nothing bad in the world. And then even up till age five, kids are so imaginative and they're so like un um, untainted. They're so pure with everything that they do, and they're so innocent. And it's just like this is what the world should be. The world should be everybody just understanding that, you know, all somebody might need is a hug. Like, and kids are good at that. They're so good at like, oh, you're sad. Like, 
well, let me give you a hug or like, here, you can have my toy because it makes me feel good. And so I want you to feel good. So I'm going to share my toy. Like, how cute is that? Those those moments are definitely <laughs> cute. And like I said, picking her up from daycare definitely is it's my favorite part of the day. I think about it all day long. I'll be on my phone. Um, I'll, I'll scroll, I'll look at pictures of her. Um, if I'm in the bathroom, I'll pull my phone out and look at pictures of her. But um, they they're not always they're not always happy and giggling. The other day, I tried to do the same the same little like raspberry game with her that she likes. But yesterday, she wasn't having it, and she just screamed at me. What's what's the raspberry <laughs> game? It's she hates getting lotion after her bath. So I will sing, I will like sing songs to her while I'm doing the lotion and between songs, I'll just do raspberries on the belly. And she thinks it's hilarious, except for last night she was not having it. So she just screamed. Gotcha. <laughs> I want you guys to know I'm being like really low key because my toddler just woke up and it's like no sudden moves because I don't know. As Mel said, I don't know how this wake up is going to be. Is it going to be high cuteness or is it going to be like I'm upset because I'm still sleepy? It's a tough So I'm just just seeing how it plays out. No, no you're good. You're good. Um, for, for, for all of you budding parents out there who are thinking about kids, that these are the moments, right? You, you have a couple minutes, you're on the phone, and then your kid wakes up and now it's like, you know, we're 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 playing Minesweeper right now. You got to be careful what you're doing, where you step, how loud you talk. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh wait, false alarm, guys. He he went back to sleep. He just oh, needed to climb on my chest. He just had to be in your face. Yeah, because he was laying beside me, and he like got up, looked at me, and then he just laid on my chest, and he went back to sleep. Oh, he was like that's one thing that i miss about olivia being a newborn when she was a newborn she would sleep anywhere and i would just lay on the couch with her over my chest and she, we would just like i would watch tv while she napped and it was the cutest thing and now she just won't nap on she won't do it mm -hmm. yeah it's like they need that like like if i was actually to like get up he probably would have woke up fully like, he would have woke up, looked around, and then even when I came back, it would have been like, no, it's too late. Where were you? <laughs> so, because, <laughs> like, because I'm laying here, he's like, oh, there you are, and then just turns over. I mean, it's getting a little hard because, he, like I said, he's two, and you both know my two-year-old is, like, the size of a three-, mm -hmm. four-year-old. So he's, like, half of my body weight laying on me, but, you know, that's okay. And you got you to gotta cherish those times because – there is going to come the day where they don't want to be around you, where they're just screaming, Mom, you're ruining my life, and they just, like, storm off to their room. I genuinely think that because I genuinely don't, I don't know, I don't know, because I was going to say, I feel like the way the kids grow up, I'm going to really be like, go ahead, go play your game. Like, I don't know if I would be all in his face, but then who knows, because I could be like, 10 years from now and being all sentimental and like, oh my God, can you just come downstairs <laughs> and eat breakfast with me? Just eat some cereal. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Um, all right, so so let's let's talk about the village a little bit. 
Um, so for, for all of you people out there who are like me, and you don't necessarily want kids, you like have kids that are a part of your life, that you're partly responsible for looking out for someone's kid. Um, when you guys are thinking about you know, watching your kid, who you can leave your kid with, like what what sorts of things go into those decisions for you? Someone's like, oh, we'll babysit, and you know, me personally, it it varies on like how I saw you react with my child while I was there. So, say if I like told you, hey, I don't want my child to have this or something and i noticed that you sneak it to them if it's something that i feel is more serious than you feel like it is then i'm not going to really trust you around my kid because i'm going to feel like you don't really listen to what i want done with them plus it kind of it kind of depends on their past relationship like my best friend i've known since middle school so it's not it's not like we don't know each other ins and outs. Her child is my godchild, so my child is her godchild. Like we already know. I know that she's a great parent. So I have no problem with her watching my child mm-hmm. knowing she's a great parent. In fact, a lot of the things that I do sometimes with my child is based off of things that I've seen her do with her child. So it's like if you know that someone's a great parent where to the point that they inspire you, you're like, I know my child is fine. Go ahead. What about what about for people who maybe don't have kids so that you can't you don't know like since they don't have their own child you don't know what they're like already as as a parent or somebody who might be supervising your child for like a temporary period of time. So if that's the case and you don't have children of your own it's more like I said your personality like if I feel like you don't have a lot of patience. I wouldn't, it's not even against you, it's just I know that you wouldn't be able to handle my child because my child is super overactive, likes to do so many things. You're going to have to, like, watch them the whole time. And if I feel like you're the type where you're impatient and you don't, and you feel like you're, like, super OCD and everything has to be super clean, I would feel like it's going to give you too much anxiety to watch my child. But if you already are just like, hey, it doesn't matter, or this is cool, this is how this is, then I know you would be fine. And on the if we have a pair if we have a relationship, I can always try it regardless, just on the trust of our friendship. And then you'll let me know, like, hey, this was a lot and I will accept it because everyone doesn't want to watch other people's kids if they're not there, you know? Or if they don't have kids and that's fine. You're not obligated to watch my child just because we're friends. And I would rather you're honest about it being too much for you to handle opposed to you stressing because I need you, I ask you to do it. You know what I mean? That that makes sense because, like, again, it is a child, so it is another human being that you have to watch out for and supervise. So if you really feel like you can't do that, you're not the person that can be the friend that is like, oh, I'll babysit, don't offer that. Like, you know, and and like Justin, you're not obligated Mm -hmm. to do that just because you're friends with somebody who has a kid. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people get that misunderstanding where they're like, oh, my friend has a kid, so I have to be around the kid. And that's not what it is, because on the same note, my child, regardless of the age, can tell if you want to be around them. So I don't want you to have animosity just because you feel like you're obligated to do it. I want you to enjoy it. Like, my child is their own person. So you have to enjoy their company just for them, not just on our friendship alone. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if Mel's going to be joining us back again. Um, if not, we might end up doing a part two uh, so that we can get some of her feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so, so, if, if someone is thinking about having a kid, what would be the, like, let's say top three things that you would want them to think about before they made that decision? I know most people would say to be financially ready, but I genuinely feel like there's no, no one can be financially just you can you can be stable where you want to be but with the child there's always going to be so much that you have to do that surprises you with money so if you overthink it and worry about money you're never going to be ready i also want to say that take everyone's advice with a grain of salt so are you prepared to handle this responsibility on your own not saying that you can't have support not saying that other people's advice is not warranted, but sometimes if you go about it and you're so concerned about what others might think, it kind of gives you more anxiety. So it's more, are you prepared to do this as a parent? Are you prepared to love this person regardless of what's going on? Don't be a parent and then expect a mini me because yes, this person is from you. Yes, this person has your blood, but you have to accept that this person is not going to be exactly like you are. So you have to realize that you have to genuinely love this, genuinely love this person all the way to the end of both of your lives. Like it's not like a time limit thing. You can't just stop loving them once they get a certain age and do something that you don't like or something that you're opposed to. You have to love them regardless. So you have to really decide what your values and stuff is, I would say. Like really ask yourself, how strict are you on this? How much do you feel about this? What's your belief in this? So that you know if your child happens to have a different outlook on that, how you would react. Okay. Actually, really, I really like that advice. And it just gave me an idea for another episode because a lot of times <coughs> parents who are, like, really excited to have um, their legacy, like, be continued by their child, sometimes that's not what the child wants and so they get so excited um you, you mm -hmm. most often see it i think with like family businesses and stuff like that where it's like oh i'm gonna pass my business down to my kid and then the kid's like i don't really want your business like i want to do my own thing or i want to make you know my own name for myself or whatever um and i really wish mel was here for this because mm -hmm. she kind of has like a, a similar kind of like setup with her life um and and i'm not going to get into it because she's not here to to like talk about it herself um but mel basically comes from like a legacy type of family um and since i've known mel like she has definitely come a long way to carving out her own space for herself and she's made her own name for herself aside from her family name and there's nothing wrong with her family name and there's nothing wrong with wanting to continue the legacy of a family if you have that in your family already. Um, but I do agree with Jazz in that it is important for people to have their own identities and have their own individuality 
um, because everything can't be, well, my family this, my family that. Um, at some point, you do have to kind of like branch out for yourself and like know what you're capable of and know what you can do. Um, and so for parents with your children, it is very important to remember that even though your child is a part of you, your child is also their own person and they're going to have their own personalities, their own likes and dislikes, and they're not going to do everything the way that you would. Exactly. You have to be prepared that not only did you give birth, you gave, you basically gave birth to someone's life. Yes, you gave birth to them, but it's not your job to decide how they live that life that you gave them. Mm -hmm basically is what I'm saying. Like you just have to and you just have to love them for the life they choose, regardless of what they what path they choose. You have to be prepared right. to love them regardless of what happens. Like and and again, me <clears throat> excuse me, me, the person with no kids, um, in my mind, the, the job of a parent is to keep their kid alive for those eighteen years or whatever age um the kid gets to before they you know leave home and, and start their own thing um that that is your role you know your role is to provide basic needs so food shelter um you know water like love and emotional stability all that sort of stuff um and it seems that people who have difficult relationships with their children um, is because they're, some parents get so wrapped up in, well, you know, I, I, I give my kid everything. And it's like, well, what does that, what does that actually mean? And some parents get so focused on the fact, well, they have a house to sleep in and they have clothes on their back and I go to work so I can put food on the table. And then you ask the parent, like, do you talk to your kid? Like, do you ask your kid how they're doing? From day to day do you check in with your kid when you notice something is off and some parents don't do that part they don't do the emotional part and they're so focused on being a provider that they forget to be like a friend not a friend like that but they forget to to do the things that are going to make their child feel like they can be open with their parents like they they forget to impart some of that like humanness with their kids because everything can't be like I'm your mom I'm your dad just do what I say like you want them to feel loved not like honestly like they have teachers and they have bosses outside of their home but you want them to feel like yes I'm a disciplinarian yes I am you know your authority figure at to a to a certain extent, you know, once you get older. But on the same note, I don't want you to ever associate me in the same mentality that you would your boss or your teacher or anything like that because you want them to actually always have a safe place with you. Because I was going to say that when you said, like, the 18, even after, I feel like as a parent, it shouldn't really be a limit. Like, no, you don't want them to be codependent. But when my son is about 35, I want him to still feel like he can call me on the phone if he's having a moment, if he's having something that's like going through it. Yes, he'll have a wife, hopefully. I mean, I don't know what life he's living at 35. But if he's having a moment that he wants to call his mom and he wants to talk to his mom to console him as his mother 
And as someone who loves him eternally, I want him to feel comfortable doing that. There's no limit to my love. You can always call me at any time. You can let me know anytime you need something, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional. Your mom or your parent, father, mother, your support system, who they are, stepmother, however, adopted mother, however that goes, your mother who provided for you, they should give you that safe space where you always know that regardless of what's going on in my life, I have someone to depend on. Because I think that helps people develop so much better if you know that there's always, like I said, you don't want the codependence, but you want them to know that, like, yes, I'm never definitely. alone. You um, know what I mean? And you also made another great point that there's all types of parents. So, you know, there's adopted parents, there's biological parents, there's step parents. Um, there's parents that maybe they weren't your parents specifically in any particular way, but you've always looked at them like a parent. So maybe it was, you know, your best friends, like mom or dad, that you always felt comfortable with. Like whoever is a part of your support system, you do want to be able to go to them. You know, you, you don't want to be afraid of your parents. Um, and, and parents, you don't want your kids to be afraid of you. Like, yes, you're an, you're an authority figure and, and you have to be a disciplinarian at times, but you don't want your kid to be afraid of you because then that starts to set up a whole list of other things um, that you don't want. And I, I honestly feel like some parents confuse respect with fear. Like you want your child to respect you so they understand like, hey, listen to this or this will be disrespectful toward me. But a lot of people confuse like what the fear and what disrespect is. So it's, it, it mixes and manages, which is a whole nother thing. But I feel like that's where so many issues come to. So many people feel like their child doesn't respect them if they don't fear them. And that's not the Agreed. case. You can respect with Agreed. love. And, I, and, and for, for, for those of you who are parents out there, who are like thinking about that, that, that concept, pretty much what that can look like is if you're the parent that anytime your child challenges something that you say, if you're the parent that goes, you know, stop disrespecting me or like, who do you think you're talking to and this and this and that, you, you might want to take a step back because your child, well, again, yes, you are the, the, authority there because you're the parent your child is allowed to ask questions um your child is allowed to like think on their own and have their own thoughts and i would say even more so when they're younger and and you are that that main authority for them because that's what their growing process is about they're trying to learn about the world and they're trying to have you know, different levels of knowledge about different things. And so you're their first line of defense. So if they're coming to you asking you questions about things that make you uncomfortable, then you might need to take a minute for yourself before you have that conversation instead of automatically assuming that your child is trying to like challenge your authority or if they're just trying to be a problem child and get into things you don't want them into. Most of the times, kids are literally just asking questions because they don't know something. Like, most kids aren't purposely trying to, like, think about doing drugs 
just because they're asking you about it. They're asking because they don't know and they want you to tell them. And how you share their information about other things is gonna shape the way that they see those things. So for example, if you have a teenage girl who's asking you about sex, don't assume that she's already having sex and don't assume that she's gonna want to have sex just because you talk to her about it. She's literally just asking questions because she doesn't know. And you don't want your child to be unprepared for a situation like that. Yeah, exactly. You don't want, you have to think about where the information is coming from. Like, would you rather they found out from someone else and then they found out in, like Kiana said, in a way that it's not ideal? Or would you rather that you sat down with them, had a discussion that made you both a little uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, she walked away knowing what's going on and you felt confident knowing that she understands better and she has a better understanding of what's going on without being confused and letting someone else manipulate that ignorance that she might have. Again, um, still trying to, still trying to see if Mel's going to come back, but Mel's parents had a conversation with her about alcohol and everything before she came to college. And so for most kids, that's the time where they kind of just let loose and they don't really know what their limits are and they get blackout drunk all the time. Mel wasn't like that because her parents had already done the hard thing and had the uncomfortable conversation with her about how you drink responsibly. And so when she got to college and was able to drink, she did it responsibly. I also want to point out that with, like Kiana said, if you start young with that openness and like show them that this is a safe space, they can talk to you about anything, the conversations are less likely to be awkward because it's something that you guys are used to. It's some, they're used to having these conversations with you. They already know that they can come to you with these things, so there shouldn't be any awkwardness. So the earlier you start showing them that they have a voice and that you want to hear the voice instead of control their voice, it'll, the conversation should be a little bit easier as they get older. So you can have those harder conversations when they're older because you already showed them that you were willing. You were giving some really good insights tonight. Like, I don't know how much you prepared for tonight or if you prepared at all, but like you were giving some really good insights. No, it's just like stuff. It's stuff I was just thinking of because I have a boy and I mean, it's going to be a lot of hard conversations I'm going to have to have with him because one, I think a lot of people think because I have a boy, it's easier with the pregnancy and things like that. But at the end of the day, that's why boys are like that. You have to raise them so they know that if your girl is to get pregnant, you have that same responsibility. That's a hard conversation, as well as the fact that I have a black son. That's a harder conversation and a different conversation that's not for this podcast right now. But that's a conversation that I have to have with him. So for me to build those type of conversations up and have him feel comfortable and like not under think it's a joke or a game or just like, hey, I don't feel like talking about this. He has to already feel comfortable saying these things to his mother. He has to not think of me like, hey, it's going to be awkward for me to tell, talk to my mom about my girl being pregnant. No, he has to tell me these things. He has to ask any questions so we can talk about it. We can know what's going on. What's the plan? What should we do? And so that he can be the type of man that he needs to be or should be opposed to going off of what he assumes he needs agree. to do. You know, the, the, the way, and, and it's funny that you have a boy and Mel has a girl, and I'm sure that the, in general, obviously because you guys are two different parents anyway, 
the way that you raise your children are going to be different. But at the same time, I know that the both of you are very like headstrong when it comes to like the equality piece of like how boys and girls are treated. And so I know that the both of you are going to make sure that mm -hmm. your children know that there there aren't going to be any like super like boy and girl like stereotypes like about behavior like is going to be right and wrong like there isn't going to be boys can get away with this or girls are expected to do that like you guys are going to be very um like level-headed across the board about what they do as people not as what they do as a man or a woman Yeah, that's why I say it goes back to, like, you preparing yourself to be, like, accepting who they are. Because, honestly, everyone who knows me knows that I'm the type that's, like, silent and, like, I, I'm to myself. I'm quiet. My son will wave to anyone. So I know for a fact that when he gets older, he might be more social than I was. And that's a completely different personality that I would have to learn to adjust to because that means he'll be having friends. And I would have to just be like, oh, my God, I really um an introvert I want to be in the house alone but my son is social so I'm going to have to learn to be a little social for his friends it's just like it's certain things that you have to learn to adjust with with your child so that they know they're allowed to have their own personality they don't have to confirm conform to how you are you got to learn to compromise with your child as well as as they're as you're teaching them lessons they're teaching you Agreed. as they're growing basically Agreed. and I and I can say for myself being um, even in my job, like I do work with some children and a lot of the times they just want people to listen to them. They just want to feel heard. They want to feel seen. Um, just like any other adult, it may look a little different because they're kids. So the things that they want to feel heard and, and feel seen about might be on a different level, but you know, overall it's the same basic principle. Like everybody just wants somebody to be able to listen to them and to be able to you know, have that safe, safe space to just say what they want to say and, and, you know, to have help with it. And for kids, again, as parents, you're their first line of defense. So they're always going to want that attachment from you first. Um, so if you're a parent who is upset because maybe your child is always spending time with, the, you know, the parents next door or some other kid's parents or maybe an aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa, then maybe you might want to think about like, what are you doing as a parent that either does or doesn't make your child feel comfortable talking to you about those things. And again, that's going to be a hard conversation because you have to be able to take a look at yourself and your behavior. And then you have to be able to ask your child to be honest with you. And if you're going to do that, you need to be able to hear whatever they're going to tell you. Because if you have an honest, honest kid, they're going to tell you and you may not like you may not like anything that they have to say and and you might go straight to the well I give you clothes and I give you food and you live here for free and you might go on your soapbox but again those are basic things that you're supposed to do for your child you don't get a gold star for giving your kid a place to live and food to eat and clothes on their back do you know what happens to the parents that don't do that they go to jail because technically that's child abuse. Like you, you have to really think about 
what it is you're saying to your kids because what you say to them shapes how they view everything else and it shapes how they view themselves. And so if you're constantly telling your kid that they're not doing well, you're always disappointed in them and this and this and that, they're going to internalize that and they're going to believe that they're not worth anything. And so you have to be the parent that finds the balance between giving your child correction and then building your child up and pushing your child a little bit when you know they can do better. Like there's there's no reason for you to tell your child on a daily basis that they're always messing something up. Like, I'm sure they know. Like if, if they don't do something well, I'm sure they know and I'm sure they're already beating themselves up because kids internalize almost everything. So even if it has nothing to do with them, they'll find a way to make it about them in some way. Um, for example, if you have a kid who's normally really good with their grades and then they get a, a B or a C on a test one day, they're going to freak out so much before they even come home to tell you that they've got that B or C because they know that you're the parent that's always saying, oh, my kid's a straight A student. My kid's a straight A student. I'm so proud of my kid. My kid's so smart. And then the minute they don't live up to that standard, your whole vibe changes as a parent. And you're like, you can do better. And this is not how I raised you. And we get good grades in this house. And now they feel like this one thing, this one grade defines the rest of their, their school career or their life because they let you down one time and you didn't handle it properly. You also have to take in consideration how dangerous it could actually be if the child fears your reaction more than the situation. For instance, like you said with Mel, with the drinking thing. If you, if your child feels that they can get more, if they're more afraid of the consequences of you finding out that they got drunk, they're less likely to call you if they need help because they're drunk. You know what I mean? And, which, and that can be dangerous. You need them to feel like they can trust you and call you if they need you for that moment rather than them put themselves in a dangerous Correct. situation because they're so worried about how you might 100%. react. 100%. 100%. Yeah, so parents, you know, all you parents out there, all of you village people who are helping to raise these children, be mindful. You know, be mindful of what you're saying. Be mindful of how much um, how much importance and emphasis you're putting on kids' failures because essentially that's a kid's job. They're going to mess up because they're learning, they're growing, they're still developing. They don't have the same level of knowledge that the rest of us adults do. And so the only way that they're going to get that knowledge is if they make mistakes, they learn from them, and either you know you give them correction or they get correction from somewhere else. And so when they do have mess ups, and, and there are levels, right? I'm not, I'm not saying if, you know, if you have a teenager who just started driving and they crash the car, don't, you know, don't give them any consequences. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is look at the situation, look at what's really going on and try to ask yourself as a parent, what do I want my child to learn from this? And, and go in that direction. Don't immediately go to, you know, you know, you're not a good kid. You're not a good person because you did this. Like, don't go to any of those routes. Like, just really think about how they messed up and what you want them to learn from it. 
and talk about that. Focus, focus on the ways that they can improve and focus on the ways that they can do something better the next time and not so much the fact that they messed up or made a bad choice. And something else I want to say to all of the parents out there or anybody who is um, uh, in care of a child or, or will be in care of a child, remember what your parents said to you, you know, um, and, and again, kids don't come with any manuals and there are no perfect parents. Um, but most of the time, as adults who were once children, right, we either have one or two mindsets. We either have had, you know, good parent relationships and we want to raise our children the same way, or we have not had good parent relationships and we want to raise our children completely different. And so if you are somebody who has not had good parent relationships and now you are a parent and you're, you're worried that you're not gonna know what to do because your parents maybe didn't always do the right things with you, hold on to that. You know, Think about what you would have liked from your parents when you were little and maybe try that out with your kids. Again, there is no manual for this. And so you may try the different approach and it may not work. You may try the same thing, and even though you don't like that you've quote unquote became your parents, it might be an effective thing that ends up working with your kids, but you won't know until you try, right? And so parenting is one of those things where, as Jazz said, you're learning along with your kid. Like, as your kid is learning and changing and growing, you as a parent, you learn and change and grow as well. And so, you know, and going back to something she said earlier about taking advice with a grain of salt, everybody who has kids isn't going to do the same thing. They're not going to raise their kids the same way. So you got to, if you are getting advice from other parents, um, know that they, they do have a similar perspective because they are a parent, but understand that everybody has a different parenting style and everybody has a different parenting perspective. And so if you get advice from somebody and you really don't think it's good advice, you don't have to use it. You know, you don't have to take it. Um, you can literally make your own manual, so to speak, for your parenting experience. Um, but it is good to have support. So if you are a single parent or an adoptive parent or a foster parent and you're just feeling like left out because, you know, the children that you have to have charge over it's just you like there are places out there where you can get support from um, and you don't have to do it all by yourself if you're a recently divorced parent and even though you're not a single parent and you're co-parenting when your kid is with you it is just you you know you don't you no longer have your previous partner there and so find support parents need support um, it is definitely even if you are in a in a marriage or you're, you're coupled with somebody, like you're gonna need support. Parents are always gonna need support. And you know, there are plenty of websites and different places out there for you to go to get support. Um, I will have some of those linked on the website post um, that you can go and check out and maybe find support if you don't have any or maybe find different types of support if you're looking for something new. Um, and there's plenty of resources out there with COVID now. There's plenty of parenting resources for that. Um, 
but yeah, in, in general, you just have to know what, what values you want to instill in your child or your children and know that your kids are either going to, um, they're, they're going to take those values on as well, or they're going to have different ones. And that's okay, because I'm sure all of us don't exactly have the same exact values that our parents try to instill in us, because why? We are all individuals. We are all our own people. We have our own minds and our own thoughts, and we don't all think the same way, and that is okay. All righty. Um, so as we, as we wind down here, um, Jez, I want to talk about um, the, the word I used for this was imprinting. Um, and so what I had for this was I wanted to talk or I wanted to ask you, what is one lesson or trait that you hope your child gets from you or learns from you specifically? Mm. I don't know. If, so I don't know if this is even a good trait. But I kind of want my child to be as blunt as I am because I I would rather that my child is blunt and honest with me opposed to like sugarcoating everything. Like I want I want you to be able to just express it and say what it is and feel confident in what you say without worrying about what others might think or what others might feel or feel like you have to sugarcoat anything. Just That's a good trait. straight out say it. And probably, well, I didn't, I, you know, bluntness doesn't always really have. Well, and, and you know, that goes along so, with yeah. different perspectives, right? So as a parent, you may, you may have that trait of bluntness or, or that's how it's uh, labeled, so to speak, in, in your household. But to someone else, that might just be like pure honesty. Like they might see it as just being honest. So they may not use the word bluntness, but it's the same thing, right? Bluntness, being direct, honesty, it's kind of all the same thing, um, which is a good trait for anybody to have. I definitely think that for someone to be completely honest um, is better than someone who does like sugar cult all the time or someone who just straight up lies about things. Um, because, you know, like, you have to remember what you said if you start lying or if you start sugarcoating. And if you're a sugarcoater, then everyone's going to look at you weird because it's like if you're talking about something and you're like, oh, no, it's not that bad. It, it's going to be like this. And then it's completely bigger or worse than how you described it. Then somebody's going to be like, why did you tell me it was like this when it was like so much bigger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would even say that goes for parents as well. So when you're when you're trying to tell your kid things, be honest. Like again, part of part of being a parent is having those uncomfortable conversations. So don't like tell <laughs> don't tell your son that having sex is gonna be like this, you know, mind blowing like magical like you know cloud nine type of experience like don't tell them that it's always going to be like that because it won't um especially not for his first time or anyone's first time for that matter so it's going to be awkward because like he doesn't really know what he's doing the girl may not know what she's doing like it's going to be awkward and they're good 
essentially they're going to have to talk their way through it more or less. Um, and you don't want your kid to be the person that's like, oh, I already know what to do. And then they do something wrong. And it's just like, well, what do I do now? Like my mom or dad said that, you know, this was going to come naturally to me. Like when I did it or that, like I would just like my body would just tell me what to do. And it's like, it, it don't do that. Don't be that parent that describes certain experiences as like this, you know, heavenly, this, this heavenly thing. And when they get there, it's like all hell and brimstone. Like, and I'm not just talking about sex either. I'm talking about like any experience, like don't, you know, if you are trying to teach your kid to drive and you were a natural driver, don't say things like, oh, it's in your blood. You'll pick it up. Don't do that. Because then if they fail their tests like four times in a row, that's really going to mess with them. I feel like I'm probably just going to tell him like, it's all up to him because everyone's experience is different. So it's like, you can't really even give advice on it. Even with the driving thing, it's like, oh, it's like, why well, I mentioned it. Let's see how it is once we get in the car. We'll see how you feel. If you feel like you have anxiety, then whatever you have anxiety on, we'll work on that. If you feel like it's fine, then we'll just breeze through it. But it's nothing that you can really prepare them for, it's, even with the sex thing. It's like, you can't tell them right. if it's going to be good or bad right. because it's their experience. I'm not there with you. I can't tell you how you'll feel and then and then I also feel like parents don't don't say that oh it's better with the people you love because I'm just they don't say that because I feel like that's going to give them a certain mentality and that let's be honest we all know that it's not all you don't always have to be sure (laughs) there's no kids listening to this Um, so I'm not being a bad influence but I would say just avoid trying to tell them exactly how it's going to feel because that also can give them anxiety too. Just tell them I would rather you are sure about your decision and make sure that you know this is exactly what you want to do and understand Mm -hmm. the consequences such as pregnancy, STDs, things like that. Make sure everything is fine, you're protected, and then we can discuss it afterwards if you have any questions of how it went or you want to talk about it just to talk about it. But there's, I feel like there's no really advice for that because that's something that only they would feel emotionally. You know what I mean? Like, even if you tell them like, it's going to be this or that, they might feel something completely different and or something that you never even imagined. So you can't really give advice for something for someone's emotion. And and like everything else, you know, it's a personalized, regardless of the experience, it's, it's, And so whether it's driving, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, their first time going to a college party, like everything is, is individualized. And so if you, as a parent, if you were like really social and, you know, you went to your first party and everybody talked to you and you made a bunch of friends, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the same experience for your child. Your child may go and they may only hang with the people they came with. They may make no new friends at that party, and that might be fine for them. You know, don't don't expect your kid to follow in your footsteps with anything because they may not want to. Um, and, and even if they do, still let them have their own experience with it. Don't be like, oh, yeah, you're a chip off the old block or you're just like me. Don't do that. Like, they may do the same things as you, but that doesn't mean that they had the same experience with it. Now, again, me, the person with no kids, um, I hope that 
any children that I have contact with um, learn from me that their voice is important. Um, and I, I say that as a therapist, knowing that I see a lot of children who talk to me about things and I always ask them, did you tell your mom and dad this? Or did you, you know, did you share this with, you know, auntie or uncle or grandma, grandpa, whoever it is that may be taking care of them. I always ask if they've shared it. And usually the answer is no. Or it's, I tried to tell them, but they didn't want to hear what I said. And that, that hurts me as a therapist because most of my job with my kids is trying to teach them how to properly express themselves in positive ways. And so when I have to work with parents or when I have to try to get parents to understand how they can be more available to their kids emotionally for those types of things, a lot of what I see is parents being anxious and that anxiety is transferring to their kids because they don't wanna have the uncomfortable conversations. And it's, it's frustrating for me because I know what the kid needs, right? Because they're telling me they feel safe with me because I listen to them. Um, and when I try to get them to reciprocate that behavior with their parents and getting their parents to reciprocate listening, it is very, very, very difficult um, because parents, some parents are so stuck in their own upbringing. They're so stuck in whatever um, negative experiences they've had with their parents when they tried to use their voice as children, that as adults, they're still like that and they can't talk about certain things or they can't talk to their kids in a certain way because they they think it's going to make them lose their credibility as a parent or lose their authority. And it's like, no, it's, it, it's not. It's actually going to help you connect with your child better and it's going to make you feel a lot less anxious as a parent because you're going to know your kid can now tell you things and, and you can handle them. And in the future, as your kid continues to grow up, that's going to be a good thing. Because like Jazz said before, if they're ever in a situation that could end up potentially dangerous, they know they can call you to say, hey, I'm in a jam. Can you help me out? Or can you come pick me up? Or whatever the situation might be. And you always want your kid to be able to pick up the phone and call you or somebody else that is going to respond to them appropriately instead of your kid staying wherever they are and having a worse situation happen. Question goes to say like what we were saying earlier, where it's just like you want your kid to see you as a person. Like if all they see you as is an authority figure or someone who fed them and clothed them because that's all you continuously remind them of is I gave you this, I gave you that. I gave you this. That's not all you are to them. You want them to see you as a person. You want them to connect connect with you as a person. Like, yes, this is my mother, but it's also my best friend. It's also the person I confide in. It's also my confidant. It's also, like, you're supposed to be everything to them, you know? So if all they see you as is an authority figure and a disciplinarian or just a fear per fearful tactic person like that, then you aren't that everything. And then they're going to go out searching for those things that they need from ever from anyone right. else. And that can I be a dangerous situation as well. Completely. Um, 
and I would say if you're if you're one of the village people who who are helping to raise a child or you're a part of a child's life, you guys don't be afraid to have those conversations with the parents either. To if you notice something in their kid and their kid is confiding in you, be the person that will kind of gently nudge that parent and go, "Hey, I think you might want to talk to your kid about X." You know, you don't have to go into detail if if that kid trusted you with something in confidence. Do yeah. your best to to keep that privacy. Um, but definitely make sure the parent knows like, hey, you might want to think about this or, or, you know, have you talked to, you know, so-and-so about, you know, puberty or about this? And for the parent, obviously, to go, no, why would I need, don't they learn that in school? And, you know, you can kind of have that conversation about, well, maybe you, you know, they asked me some questions. And, and so maybe you might want to double check with them and see if they have any more questions, right? Again, you don't have to tell them, what the kid told you, you can keep their their confidentiality, barring that they say something like they want to hurt themselves or something like that, like if they're so stressed about whatever it is. But, you know, do your best to keep the kids privacy, but still let the parent know like, hey, you might want to check in. Um, because... <laughs> I appreciate that you keep calling um, these people village people. But yeah, do your do your best to, to let the parent know to check in. Um, like it, it, that's basically what I do with my parents. So I'm not, I try to be that person for my parents to be like, Hey, you may want to ask your kid about how school was today. You know, I, I, I have a responsibility to keep what my kid says private to me, um, unless they're saying, you know, they want to hurt themselves or, or someone else. Um, but most of the time, my job is trying to build that bridge between a parent and their child. Um, and it's very interesting to see how some parents respond to that. And when I go to ask the parent, well, what was your relationship with your mom and dad like? And it's very telling. Um, it's very telling to see the patterns that play out. Um, and that which goes back to what Jazz was saying about you have to accept that your kid is not going to be a mini you like your kid is going to be their own person with their own thoughts their own ideas they're not going to do everything that you want them to do and that that's going to be another episode but overall I think that parents have a hard job right <laughs> they have the hardest job in the world is, is to raise another human being um, and, and to basically to, excuse me, inform the next generation. And I think as parents or village people um, in informing the next generation, I do think it is going to be very important for all of us to be honest about what the world is really like, um, not in a negative way, but just as, as information. I mean, if you treat everything as just basic information, a lot of those conversations that you think might be uncomfortable will actually not be so uncomfortable. Because if you think of a question as just a question and not a, a plot point or a, or a planning point, all you have to do is answer the question. Problem solved, right? So if your kid comes to you and says, hey, uh, so we talked about sex today in health class. Like, and here's what my teacher said. Is that right? Or, you know, is there anything else you can tell me about that? Just answer the question. 
if what their teacher told them you felt was adequate enough, you can say, yep, that's how that works. If it wasn't adequate enough for you, for what you want your child to know, you can either explain more um, or re-explain something. And, and then that's it. You don't have to be like, are you thinking about sex? And who have you been talking to? And is your, is your boyfriend or girlfriend trying to pressure you to do something you don't want to, you don't have to go there. Just answer the question. But you know what? I feel like, you know how you keep saying, I don't have kids, like it's like a different opinion. But honestly, I feel like I'm going to use the term you've been using because I like it. The village people are like actually so important because honestly, yeah, we're saying like it's easy, like talk to your kids. But for some people, that does give them serious anxiety. So in that case, use those village people. Like let those village people be the voice that makes like the voice for your kids. You know, if they feel like because sometimes kids will feel more comfortable talking to you because they know you don't have children. So they won't see you as a parent. You know, they'll put you in a different category. So they'll feel comfortable saying things with you. Yes, I hope to have a relationship with my son where he can express his feelings or talk to me. But there's also going to be more of a friendship level that he will have with Auntie Key that he wouldn't have with me. And that's okay. That's a relationship I would want for him to have because sometimes he's going to want to express things. He might say something to me like, hey, I had sex relations with this girl. But to you, he'll go into more execs or something like that. You know, like it's more detail or more anything so he can actually express himself in a different way. He can still talk to me, but there's different ways that they might express themselves with those village people. And if you feel like you're uncomfortable regardless of it, you can just say the basics. You can just say, like like you said, just let them know, like, this is exactly what it is or this is what it is. But you can also use those village people to kind of, I don't want to say translate, but, like, be that buffer between you guys. Yeah, when it's yeah and you know what? I didn't even you know what I mean? think about it that way because so much of, and maybe this is just like a, a hazard, occupational hazard of my job, so much of my job is <coughs> trying to make the connection um, between the parent and the child directly. Like Even when I know that there's other people, like if a child does tell me like, oh, I, I talked to grandma about those things. Or, or I talk to, you know, uncle so-and-so about those things. I, because I'm not dealing with the village people for my kids, all I have to you is my parents directly. So th- I think that's why most of what I do is like parent direct or parent directed um, because they're the only ones that I'm seeing in my office. I'm not seeing everybody else. I can have everybody else in my office um, but usually that's a whole other hurdle to go through. Um, but yeah, so I, I do try my best to let my kids know, like, if you have somebody else that you can go to, go to them. Um, but I do also know that, again, your, your parents are going to be the first line of defense. And so if you can tell your parents, tell your parents first. Um, and if you can't, then we can go down the line of everybody else that, that might be helpful to you um, in that respect when you're looking for information for things or, or trying to figure things out. But you did make a really good point, though, that for parents, if you are the parent that you just really can't talk to your kid about certain things or you can't go into details, find someone who can. You know, that is what your village is for. Your village is there to 
help you to take some of that um, responsibility and and help you with it and help you carry it. And so it is okay if you are a parent who's just like, I really can't be the person to talk to my son or daughter about sex. That's fine, you know? Um, if you can only give them the basics, do that part, you know, do what you can. And then whoever else you assign or, you know, request to have that conversation with your child in detail, you know, pa pass off the torch, essentially, delegate. Um, yeah, because it's still giving the parent control because, you know, they wouldn't have chose that person to be their voice for them if they didn't trust it. So you still have some control of it, but it just, it makes it because I feel like if a parent is too uncomfortable with it, the information can still come across wrong, you know, because they'll be in such a rush to get it over with or like just general uncomfortable so they can just explain things the way that they feel like heavy enough to get it over with where it's like there are better ways to do it so just for it to be easier on the parent and the child just find a buffer yeah to help ease yeah. Both into the situation that's right because i i definitely remember um so my mom did not have the talk with me at all um she tried and and i i give her you know, A for effort there, but it, it did not come across right. And I, I, it probably was because she was uncomfortable talking to me about it. And like, even though I didn't really have any questions, like I, the the health class uh, synopsis of like what that was, was enough for me. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been different if she would have been more comfortable talking to me about it or if we would have had a different kind of conversation about it um but it was very awkward when she did try and I remember like leaving that conversation just going like why did what just happened and and I even though before the conversation I felt like I was okay with the knowledge that I had before her talking to me I felt like confused afterwards because I felt like there was something she was trying to tell me that she couldn't tell me and then I felt like I was missing something even when I didn't feel like that before so yeah um q-tip another q-tip for this episode is delegate you know if you can't be that person do what you can and and then pass the torch um you know, and, and don't, if, if you're going to pass the torch, uh, caveat to that is don't be upset at how the other person chooses to instill that information into your child. Again, barring that they're telling your child something that could like potentially hurt them or put them in a dangerous situation. If you're picking somebody else that you trust to relay that info to your kid, they have their own process to do that. So and, and if they have that strong of a relationship with your kid that you're picking them, then your child is going to understand that process of how they're telling them the information. So don't think because if your kid comes back and says, oh, uncle so-and-so, like, talk to me about condoms, and you're, like, mortified because you didn't expect that that's what they were going to do, like you, like, clearly your kid got the message. Like, they, they got the information that they we're looking for um and honestly like for those of you that have boys 
you want your kids to know how to do that properly because if they don't know how to do that properly, you could end up becoming a grandparent a lot sooner than you would like. Um, so, you know, just again, be mindful. If you're gonna delegate and pass the torch to somebody, let that person do it in their own way because if they have that type of relationship with your child that's close, your child is gonna understand what they're doing. Alrighty. Well, I do thank you for joining me for this episode. I do apologize to the audience that we lost Mel. Um, Probably will probably end up doing another episode um, on kids at some point um, or just another episode about like families or parents in general. And we'll see if we can get Mel back for, for that episode. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great experience. Yeah. And I really yeah. enjoyed we our conversation. We don't often all get to talk about like that sort of stuff with each other. So I felt like this was a really good way to like have you guys be able to, you know, get some of that stuff out. Um, and also just for me to learn from you guys, because again, I have no kids. So I don't... <laughs> You know, I don't know the struggle of having to change my outfit <laughs> twice, you know, in the span of the morning hours because my kid peed on me. Like, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> it honestly gets more just relaxing, but <laughs> it's less but, Okay, so thank you again for joining me. And um, I, I hope that you come back to to co-host another episode um of any topic not just about like parenting or kids or anything we are signing off then um again um there will be some parenting links in the or on the website um for all of you parents out there and any of you village people that want to uh just brush up on your child development knowledge um, there will be links there for you guys as well. And I will see you guys next week.